Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Try this on for size. Conduits of Trouble. Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, Declan Goff, executive producing as he does for every single show we do on Score North these days. Chip Scoggins, what's up, my man? Um, I went to a baseball game yesterday that was boring. <laughs> Story of the two. That should be your book for the 2021 twin season. Boring. Yeah, it's a, it's the same thing. I know. It literally is the same thing every every game. No pitching. Um, Pinedo, I thought, just looked awful, you know, which I, I don't know what we expected his first time back, but um, I assume they're probably trying to hope he pitches well to showcase him to teams, but it didn't get off to a great start. So I, I don't know how much value if he doesn't pitch what. He'll probably get, what, one or two more starts before the deadline? Yep. Yep. So Probably two. I, I, I don't know what the value would be there as a as a trade option for teams, but we'll see. This has fallen now to me into the pattern, and I mean, I personally think it did a while ago. But aside from very few people, um, Larnick, Kirilov, Nick Gordon, mm-hmm. I think as well, there just isn't anything to see here now that's going to be positive. No, and and you know, with boxing out. Um, obviously that's a big blow. I mean, yeah, I think you perk up when the two youngsters come up to bat. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest is just like, okay, Max Kepler's up. Here's an out. Uh, Polanco's up. Here's probably, he was over, he broke over 12 skid the other day. Um, yeah, there's just no excitement with this team. It's just kind of listless and, and, um, lethargic, uh, the games. And it's, it's, um, there's still a lot of summer to go too, Judd. I mean, here what they played what? Um, how many games? Eighty five. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're thirty five. Yep. I think they're eighty five. Yep. Games. So um, it's going to be a long summer if they don't. I mean, obviously, if you get Buxton back, you know, sometime here he'll be an attraction. But but yeah, I mean, there's there's just not a whole lot of excitement with this team. And they're going to have to make trades, right? Because as the deadline approaches you're going to have to make some trades um i will say this i don't think they're going to have the gumption unless they got an overwhelming return which they won't to trade barrios i've become convinced that they won't trade him you can't i mean unless unless something just absolutely blows you away and i don't say you never can but but you got to have some good players you know (laughs) i mean you can't just if you get rid of him you got no pitching 
And so I, I think absolutely not. You're going to have to pay him. And being around the, the team and talking to him, I think they're going to convince us, themselves that this is a total fluke year. That was a lot of it was injuries and guys that just had weird years, and that they're they're going to try to bring a lot of the core back. I don't think. I mean, you know, it's not going to be a surprise you trade Nelson Cruz. Okay, I mean that's right. not part of your future. But um, I know fans are clamoring. You know, trade Rios, trade Buxton, trade Donaldson, trade you know everybody on the team. I just don't see that happening. I, I really don't. So here's the one thing that I will say when it comes to Donaldson, if I can find the right deal, which would be for another team to take a lot of that contract. The justification that I would have for trading Josh is this one. I would go, I would have gone to, or if I have not done it, I would um, hightail it to Barrios' camp and say, what's it going to take? And they're going to want a ton. Like they're going to want a lot of money. Um, Mm -hmm. But my thing with Donaldson is, if I could, be, because there, you can't just say, well, keep Donaldson and sign Burrios and then sign Buxton. Like, that's not how this works. No, so no, so no. I would trade Donaldson if I could almost gift him to a team and get them to take that contract because he's an older player who's going to be hurt a ton. He already is. He's got chronic leg problems. Yeah. Um, if that meant I could sign Burrios. So that's the one way, if I could make that work, because, yeah, I'm with you on Barrios. Like, if you trade him, these guys haven't found pitching. Or No, no. You know, so he's gone. Okay, he's gone. One, do I trust that you got the right players back in return? And two, you haven't so far, unless this changes in 2022, if there is a 2022, you haven't developed anybody. So I would trade Donaldson if it meant I could purge a bunch of his contract from my payroll in order to turn that around and give it to Burrios. And that's the thing. I just, he's 35, right? With, with some leg injuries here in the last three years, yes. two years and, um, and a big contract. And so how attractive is that going to be to other teams? <laughs> Not very, you know, I mean, if we're being realistic, I, I just, you're talking about a very small, probably pool of teams that would be interested. And so, um, I, I do like, like last year I thought he had bad news, right? And he got off, I mean, but when he came back from his injury started this year, he's been pretty good, you know? I mean, he's he's, he's provided him some um, some offense and um, obviously <laughs> the stuff off the field, the spark off the field, but, um, but I agree because Brios is going to want, what, $20 million a year, you think? Yes. Yeah, at least. Probably, realistically? Yes. Is that what he's going to ask for, I would think? I would say around 20, maybe slightly more, so but yes. about $100 million Yes, $100 million. Point, Probably? Correct. He's going to want a four or five-year five year deal, I think so. Yep. Um, and I, I have, I've given up on Buxton knowing like what the contract thing is there. I have no clue. Like even I wouldn't even begin to know like what value to put on him at this point. I'm with um, you on that. But, it, but it, you know... But that's going to be interesting, and then, uh, and then so yeah, yeah. There's no payroll or there's no uh, salary cap, but but the team's not going to just because I, I think their attendance is going to be woeful this summer, and so they're going to they're going to put a limit on their on their payroll right next year, and so it, it would be hard to have a huge Brios contract and a huge Donaldson contract and a huge Buxton contract. I just I don't think that's realistic. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see when they get something done with Jose. I, I mean, I assume they're talking to him now, but, um, you know, if you don't get it done this off season, his agent might just say, you know what, we're going to play the sucker out and hit the free agency market and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then, then that opens up a whole, a whole another conversation. But, um, but yeah, I just, I go back. I, I just, I, I think you might see Simmons move, and I think you might see Cruz move. But other than that, I just don't know. Like Taylor Rogers, I'm not trading Taylor Rogers. I mean, your your bullpen's a mess. Why would you trade him? You know, I just I wrote about this today, Judd. Teams are the word rebuild is taboo for teams right now in sports because fans don't want to hear that. They don't want to pay down hard earned money yeah. to hear rebuild and that you're waving the white flag. So I just I just don't think. And I, I just, I'm not sure if Fowley and Levine are going to be in that mindset that, okay, we're just going to wave the white flag and we're going to look towards 2023 when you're trying to sell tickets. I, I, I would be surprised if that happens. And Chip, they have to be shell shocked too because 100%. it's it's not it's not like oh we sort of knew that this was ending right, back to back division champions, you know, expected to at least if not win a third division title, compete for one. Thought process being how can we lose this absolutely or end this horrendous um, playoff losing streak, and then you're this bad and your pitching is this bad. I mean, what you were known for, what you were hired for, you're terrible at. And and that's both true for the most part of the starting rotation and certainly the bullpen, which has been a mess. So I I would love to hear the end of the season exit meetings for this team as yeah. far as far as what the evaluation and analysis is going to be and yeah. and what has gone from you know doing a great job congratulations you, you've turned around this franchise and yeah the playoff uh the playoff defeats are disappointing they're hard to take but that being said you have been to the playoffs twice in two years to how are you going to put butts in the seats in 2022 well, and- and think about the struggles and, and what we, I think what we would categorize as the core of this team. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this team that which you would say are in the sweet spot of their prime, right? They should uh, be. Should be like like if you look at their age and what was leading up to this, you know, Kepler, Buxton, Sano, Blanco. I wrote about this in my column too. Like six years ago, I went down to, to Chattanooga to chronicle that team at, at that Double A team. They're all. Rising through the ranks together, it was Buxton, Sano, Barrios, Polanco, Kepler. They had, a, I think, like three relievers that um, threw over 100 miles an hour. Um, uh, Adam Walker was there. I mean, it was just like this collection of guys. Adam Brett like, Walker, okay. baby. Yeah, yeah. Adam Brett Walker. Yeah, he was hitting like 500, you know, moonshots, just, just blasting them out of there. Um, and people were like, oh, my gosh, just wait till the team gets here. Well, they got here, and there's, you know, there's been – I looked it up. Four combined all-star appearances with that group. You know, a couple playoff appearances, early exits, no wins. But other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot to show for it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but now, you know, guys are sort of building towards, okay, this is when they should be probably at their peak, right? I mean, Miguel Sano. Is a, Miguel yeah. Sano's 28, I believe. He's, a, he's the perfect example of what you're talking about. I think he's 28. I think Kepler's probably 27 or 28, right? Polanco. Mm-hmm. These are box. These are not young players. And so, but, you know, I don't think they're, they're ready 
to dismantle this team, but it's a risky thing to say we're going to run it back with, with most of this team intact because we just feel like this was a fluky year. I mean, there's no guarantees that there's going to be bounce back from all these guys. Oh, hell no. Exactly. And that, But that's the thing is they now are to a point where it's gone from sort of a feel-good story about what they've done to turn, you know, what was a bad franchise for quite a few years around to having to find almost immediate answers. Because you're right, there's not going to be the patience for let's wait three years. That's not no. going to e- exist. And they have to go out. This next, this crop of pitchers, I shouldn't say next because it's the first one. This crop of pitchers who are coming better be good because if they're not, I don't know what's, you know, the Twins don't like to fire people. But that being said, if Derek Falvey, who is known for developed pitching, um, has a few more duds here, it's going to be certainly eyebrow raising to say the well, least. And that's the thing. It's like, who have they developed that is, is their guy? They haven't. That's that's the point. I mean, you know. Yeah, Brios is not their guy. Brios is not their guy. No. Nope. So um, they better find someone quickly to justify the where the pitching savants um, because, you know, I mean, okay, let's look at the rotation next year. Assuming I don't think they'll be able to trade Pineda. Do you? I mean, I just – yeah. Uh, unless they want to give him away, basically. Unless I mean, they, they, want to give him away, they might like get it's... something very small back for him. But yeah, if their if their plan was they were trading a guy who would actually get them back a decent, not great, but a decent prospect, that's probably off the table. But so so uh, you know your your rotation next year is you know Rios, uh, Maeda. Yep. Is Pineda back if he's not traded? Yeah, I might sign him again because he's up. But then do you have two young guys, and, and who are they? Right. I mean, you you know, you got to have somebody. I mean, is there anybody coming that's going to be ready? And, and Is Balazovic uh, this winder, winder, who, who, yeah, who I don't know. got hit with a comebacker around the ear last night? And I guess he's okay, oh, thankfully. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't see that. They had to take him out because he got hit with a comebacker. He's okay, though. Yeah, the, the uh, story that the Saints sent out said that he was okay after the oh, game, but... But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really good question, and and but I mean that that to me is an absolute key part of the potential survival of Falvey and Levine because if you don't answer those questions at some point in time soon here, it's not like you just got here last year. Yeah, but it's you know I know fans want a clean house, but it's like you know they did win the division two two years in a row, so it's like. They have some equity build up, but this has just been so bad. And the lack of pitching development is, I mean, you can't ignore it, you know, and that's the team has just fallen off so bad in that department this year. I mean, they went from what fourth overall ERA last year in major league baseball to whatever they are now, 26 or 27th. I mean, it's just, that's amazing in one year that you would plummet that bad and have that many misses on the off season, you know, acquisitions that you had. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be, and here's the thing. It's like, think about all the infrastructures that they built and the analytics and all these different things that they talk about that they've done. And it has produced Kawat in terms of developing young pitching. I mean, mm-hmm. and so it's, there needs to be like an honest 
there needs to be some hard, honest assessment of it and not, oh, my God, we had all these injuries and it was just, you know, look at all these injuries we had that nobody could overcome that because that's, that's going to be way too convenient if they tried to play that card. And look at the White Sox. Exactly. The White Sox have a ton of guys hurt, a ton of big names hurt, and guess what? They're in first place. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yes, the injuries have, have obviously hurt and it's had an impact on their team, but it, it can't just be blanket cover for for not you know for just making excuses for them making some really bad personnel moves what's your patience with Rocco at this point well it's it's sort of like the same way I think um you know we have to say acknowledge hey he had two good you know well the first year I thought he was really good in managing that team last year was so weird I mean they did win division but it was so hard um you know he annoyed me with the Burrios thing in the playoff game last year, that really annoyed me. Yep. Um, he's had a bad year, Dad. I mean, he just has. And, I mean, there's been, you know, some, some, you know, losing track of the, the visit to the mound. That's an embarrassment. Um, you know, I don't know if it's calling players, but just the, um, you know, running out there and, and, Anytime someone you know takes a deep breath, he thinks they're hurt. I mean, I don't, it just it just feels like everything he's done this year has been the wrong move, and that's probably not fair. But it just he he doesn't get a pass either. I, I don't as bad as this year is. I don't think I would fire him because I think he you know like I said he's won two divisions, but he's had a bad year. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I become very curious about his feel for the actual game itself. Um, because, and, and here's where, here's where we don't know a very important question, which is how much are his decisions and strategies being influenced by those above him? Because, you know, when you take out Maeda and Barrios on consecutive days in essentially what come down to must win playoff games, uh, as early as he did, there's no way that he's just doing that. He's obviously been told or talked to. Or that there's been a strategic session of when um, those guys should come out of the game. So it's not that I'll give him a pass there, but I think that's part of an overall decision-making process. But where I've become curious about his feel for the actual game and where a guy like Tom Kelly was absolutely blessed was, and it's difficult, it's very difficult, but there are small things that the best managers do chipper during the course of a game that influence that game and can ultimately look by the end of the game to be to have been critical moves Rocco doesn't seem to really have a feel for those moves and I don't think that's a Falvey Levine thing I don't think they're trying or can help him there so in, in fact I'll give you one a couple nights ago um not yesterday's game but I believe it was Tuesday night's game it's two to one White Sox in the bottom of the seventh it's raining mm-hmm. Uh, Sano singles. It's the bottom of the seventh. Sano singles, and he's at first base. And Rocco doesn't pinch run. Nick Gordon's yeah. on his bench. And and Sano ultimately then gets thrown out between second and third because he ran on a ball that was hit in front of him, which made zero sense. But the point was, too, Miguel Sano staying in does you no good. Like, Kirilov could have moved to first. It was a very simple change. Um, yeah. And it's not like you're taking out Nelson Cruz and, oh, my God, you're g- giving up a potential next at bat in the ninth inning. So yeah. it's that type of stuff. And, yeah, it's ultimately small. And I don't even think it was discussed, not surprisingly, on the telecast. 
But that's the type of thing that I look at and I say, that's a pretty key move not to make uh, yeah. in the big picture of being down two to one. Well, I do think, um, I do think the pitching stuff, I, I do think that comes from uh, organizational philosophy and it almost feels like it's robotic at this point, right? Like yes. there's no game feel or situational feel that, okay, here it is. You know, you're, we're going look at your, look at your notes, your book, what does the analytics tell you? What are, you know, what, what are the analytics guy tell you? Okay. We get them out. So it's almost like robotic there, but like, Part of the two is this team just sees, seems sometimes just so fundamentally flawed. Like, I think in the last couple of weeks we've seen two guys, like you said, run on a grounder hit in front of them, right, and get thrown out at third. And it's like, at some point, don't you have to light their butt up for doing that, you know? I mean, they, this team just seems like it makes some really dumb mistakes that are, like, fundamental. Yeah. And that's a bad reflection yeah. on the manager. And the coaching staff, I think, you know, and so that part, yes, you, you wonder, you know, just the, the messaging, um, getting on guys or, you know, or kind of, you shouldn't have to teach like the mistake that the base running mistake that Sonoma made here night. I mean, that's, I don't have any idea what he was doing there, but, um, but th- it's those kind of things where, you know, the air that we've seen and just the sloppy play. Mm-hmm that's a bad reflection on him, you know, it just is. And so it'll be interesting. I assume they'll stick with him after this year. I I mean, there's been nothing, I haven't heard any like whispers internally that, you know, he's in trouble or anything, but um, it'd be interesting to see. I don't think Falvey's going to evaluate his manager in the middle of the season, but at, at, you know, at the end of the season, there's, post, you know, meeting, kind of what his opinion was, if he'll give a, a, you know, a legitimate one, you know, like what he's thinking, or not just the company line, but if he gives a legitimate opinion on the job he thinks Rocco did, because it's just been a bad year, you know, I mean, just like the entire team, the whole operation, he's he's had a tough year. I think the leash certainly has to be shorter now. It has to be, for sure, yeah. And that's very fair. I also think the the one thing that, and I it's a conclusion, but I think it's a necessary conclusion is you have to conclude that uh, Derek Shelton, who was his bench coach before he uh, uh, became manager of the pirates. And then Mike Bell, who tragically passed away last winter chipper that those yeah. guys, that both of those guys must've had huge influence on Rocco as far as um, what was going on in game, right. And strategic yeah. moves because like this was not, the in-game stuff, I don't recall anything close to this in either 2019 or 20. And if you go through Twins games from 2021, I'm sure that we could sit down and find eight to ten things already where it's like, what just happened there? Like, why didn't you do this? Or, or And it's not it's not rocket science stuff. No. Well, how much do you think, too, Judd? I mean, 2019, they hit the most home runs in the history of baseball. I mean, so that probably covered up a lot of sins, right? Or yes. Maybe maybe took a lot of decisions out of his hands, um, if that makes sense, right? Where and I, I you know have to go back and look at runs scored. I think they set a record team record for runs scored that year too, right? But um, there might have been a lot more like you know lopsided games where we weren't worrying about the things that we worry about now because they weren't necessary. Whether it was you know you might have got away with. 
True. It's a good point. Um, you know, man, decisions that now are more scrutinized because you're losing and because they're backfiring. Whereas there, if you're, you know, if Nelson Cruz can hit a three run homer, that takes a lot of pressure off the manager, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but I do think, and it, it, in fairness, like we praised him that year for the environment that he brought and allowing that, that clubhouse to kind of self-police itself. And he had the right touch with it and the right message and just the way he handled that veteran team. And maybe we gave him too much credit then. I don't know, but I, you know, I, I thought he did a good job with that team last year by and large. I thought he did with all the weirdness of COVID and everything. I thought he did a good job with that team. And, but this year, just from the get go, it just has felt not right. And he, he absolutely deserves as much blame as, you know, as the players do and as the front office does. When's the last time that you look forward to Vikings training camp as much as you are looking forward to Vikings training camp this year? Yeah, probably, uh, probably Cousins' first year, I would think. You yeah, know, it's, it's been a fair. couple. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, this is, it's going to be interesting because all the new faces, the pressure to win, and I think you know, that, I think they have a chance to be pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. I really do because I just think I think they fix. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a top five defense, but I think it'll be a top ten defense. Um, again, it may be top five. Who knows? But depending on if some of those veteran guys, if you know if Patrick Peterson is sort of close to what we thought he, he he's been in his career, um, that defense is going to be will look a lot better. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, there's just a lot of good storylines with this team this year. It better be t- top 10. It, it needs to yeah, be top 10. Top if it's 10. not top yeah. 10, I think there's changes. Uh, it should be top 10. And the offensive line, I don't think it's going to be perfect. I think it should be improved. What I'm curious about, and I think I know the answer, unfortunately, but I am curious. The amount of um, firepower that this team potentially has offensively, right? With, mm-hmm. with skill position, with with Jefferson, who is just phenomenal. Thielen, who's aging, but he's still damn good. Tight ends, who look to be pretty damn good. Uh, Dalvin Cook. I am really curious what this offense looks like. And my theory is that Zim being Zim is still going to have Clint Kubiak did what his dad did. But, you know, does he bring wrinkles? Can he do different things? And, and most importantly... Does Zimmer allow this offense to at least live up to what its potential should be, which I think will be a very, which could be, I shouldn't say will be, which could be a very successful and certainly high firepower offense if unleashed at times. Well, here's your, here's your, your telltale second, the first, second, nine, what's the play call? Yep. Second, second or nine or second and one What's the play call. If it's a Dalvin run, you know it's going to be more of the same. But even, you know, I they finished what eleventh or twelfth in scoring last year. Eleventh. Yeah. So absolutely should be a top ten scoring offense this year. Yes. I mean, there's just if they're not, then there's major problems too. Um, because I mean, we you know there uh, wasn't at minicamp where they're saying this is Clint's offense, this is not his dad's offense, and you're going to see different things. We'll see. Because well, yeah, I said the it, same thing. I'm with you on this. When push comes to shove, you know, and you're in the middle of a game and Zim's stewing, 
mm-hmm. um, about time of possession and not creating turnovers. We'll see. Uh, uh, you know, that will be the ultimate barometer because I, I just think you know Zim is Zim and he's going to have his handprints over this, and I don't think he's going to deviate from what he thinks it should be done too much. I, I just don't. You know, um, maybe I'll be surprised on that, but I don't think you're going to see just a wide open. You know second down, throw the ball over the place. I think Zim's going to stay true to who he is probably for the most part. So here's my question off that. So let's say the first, you know, I don't know, month of second and nines are traditional Zim second and nine plays, okay? Dalvin gets the ball. Sometimes they get a first down, sometimes they don't. Then it's third and three or third and four. How long, at least internally, I'm not saying that this would happen publicly because it probably wouldn't, but how long internally before in his second year, Jefferson does the same thing Diggs did and looks around and is like, do you guys know how good I am? Because yeah. because the patience of players now, I, I mean, I think the patience of young people is much different than it was 15 to 20 years back. And if Justin Jefferson is like, well, now I get what frustrated Stefan Diggs, yeah. if, if they're doing the same things, I really can't blame Justin Jefferson. Can you? No, and what was the game at the end of last year where he kind of was demonstrative with, with Kirk? Chicago. Um, Right in the back of the end zone was this the last game? No, I think one of, yeah. No, I think it was the Bears game at at yes. U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was yeah, and he's like the mics caught him saying you got to throw it sooner or something. So I, yep. I don't think he's like I don't I don't think it's a it comes across as you know the diva or anything like that. I just think he's a competitive kid that that has supreme confidence in in his ability, and so uh, I don't I don't. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be a disruption or anything, but he might say, "Yeah, let's let's get the ball to the wide receiver sub and let us do our thing." You know, um, but it, it comes down to Judd, heat of the moment, Zim, games. You know, Cole's game. Is he going to allow Clint Kubiak to to throw in new wrinkles? No, I mean, <laughs> I'm putting my house on no. <laughs> I would, I would tend but to I also that don't too. then blame a guy like Jefferson who might say, why not? Yeah. yeah. I'll side with him. But, yeah, I don't think that – but that's the problem is that, like, it gets more frustrating to watch if you don't allow this offense to operate like an offense in 2021 should operate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's um, – you know, it's such a tricky balance because – like when you have a, a running back like Dalvin, I want him carrying the ball as much as possible, right? And he, I want him to be a focal point because he's so darn good. But you, you know, I'm not sure him being the the traditional workhorse back, thirty carries is the best way to go either, you know. And so it's it's they have to find that right balance and realize that you know you got this superstar wide receiver. A really good number two wide receiver. I think their tight ends are good too, Joe. I mean, so I like that Conklin a lot. I mean, I think their tight ends are are darn good. You know, and Irv Smith and Conklin. I mean, that's a hell of a combination there. Um, and so it's it's you know it'll be fascinating to see one how Dalvin's body is coming back. I assume he, you know he's working hard and taking good care of it and can handle a big workload again. But I'm guessing what was the what was the narrative that we had every single week last year? When's Dalvin going to break down? Can Dalvin handle this? I, I guarantee we're going to be having the same conversation this year, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah, because they're they're not going they're not going to let up, and we're, we're now going to what a seventeen game season. So yes, um, but I also think that they are going to use him until he does break down, Which and so. Seventeen game season, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no worries. Stupid. Oh, I, I'm with you because yes, because it now means eighteen games is coming. I am with you one hundred percent. I I hate it. I think sixteen games was absolutely the perfect the the National Football League until now was the one league that I think had it exactly right. Like well, sixteen even, games was great. But even think about how many bad games we get late in the season where you're like, oh, is this guy going to be available? This guy, they're beat up. They can't, you know, they're tired. Late, late in the season. There, yeah. there's, there's a plethora of bad games all season long. Well, that too, yeah. But, I mean, just adding another one of those weeks where guys are limping to the finish is like, uh, I mean, I know what they're doing and people will watch anything, you know. If it has regular in front of it and not preseason, they'll watch it, you know. But um, it doesn't mean it's going to be great football. And it's, But, you know, players are going to lose that argument because it's money. Oh, of course they are. Of course. And and the problem is you have too many players who don't get paid or, or who don't mm-hmm. have enough guaranteed money coming who are eventually go- going to say, okay, you know, play 18 games, right? Yep. And more, that's yeah, more money for us. Exactly. Yeah. And so so unlike baseball where I'll give them credit, it's going to probably going to result in you know, lengthy uh, lockout. But, you know, in baseball, they often stand up for their rights and they'll fight the owners in football. They won't, but yeah, I, I just, we're going to 18 regular season games eventually. And I hate that idea. You're just going to have so many guys hurt. The product already has suffered to what you're saying. And you're right about that, yeah. uh, that there's no way that 18 games. And I know it's greed and I know football fans are like, bring on more football, but just as far as the watchability of the product, you are diluting it every time you do this. Hell, it'd play year round if it meant more <laughs> Absolutely. Add another, add another billion to the TV contract. Now, obviously, the roster sizes are going to grow because you're going to need more players, but so that means more jobs for guys. And so, you know, the players will be more money and more jobs. They'll, I think, they'll always support that. But, but it doesn't. You know, you're still going to be limping to the finish with a lot of these guys. And it's just, I mean, by the end of the season, you look at these injuries, and it's just you're going to attack on a couple more games on top of that. Man, it's. It's going to be. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure the games are going to be all that pleasing to watch. Anthony Edwards, my man, sprains his ankle playing on a team that basically is helping the U.S. prepare for the Olympic Games. So it was not the Olympic team itself. It was yeah, a team that's sure. helping them prepare. Uh, sprained ankle. Don't know the severity of that, but that's the report at least that I've seen. So here's my thing. How do we, and I honestly don't get this, we talk so much or or read or hear so much, especially about soft tissue injuries, right? Yeah, and yeah. the fact that guys need to rest and the fact that, that, you know, we ask, to our point about football, we ask too much of athletes today. And then we send basketball players continually, it seems like, to off-season international events, Olympics this time. I mean, there's guys who are supposed to go from the Bucks to the U.S. team, and basically not they're not going to get a break. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be funny, but it drives me absolutely crazy. These guys are paid millions of dollars, in my opinion, to play for their NBA team, which is great. Like, it's fun to watch. 
Um, but then you've got significant players who should be resting and healthy and working out. That's fine. Getting yeah. hurt. It drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, I'm sort of on the fence with this because um, it's easy to, for me to say because I'm not writing Anthony Edwards checks. <laughs> right. So um, I, I guess I would I would always be nervous about that, but I also think, you know, it's a pretty damn good experience for him to be scrimmaging against the Olympic team and getting more experience playing against top-level players. Um, you know, odds are he'd probably be playing pickup games anywhere. So, you know, let's be honest, he's not going to go an entire summer and not play pickup games somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys, guys just do that, and so you could get hurt there. So there's always that risk. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to that same thing, like uh, – you know, Olympic hockey, would you let, you know, Zach Parisi, when they were going over there to play, run the risk of, hey, you know, I'm paying your checks. Not, not I'm not a big fan hockey. of that either. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's, <clears throat> I guess I don't really think about it until an injury comes up and then you're like, eh, that probably wasn't the best idea. Well, like Paul George. <laughs> yeah. Like Paul George. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's unfortunate, but I guess in this case, hopefully it's, an ankle sprain, not something too serious that lingers in the camp or anything like that. But right. I felt the experience is probably good for him, yep. you know, to have that. So I, I I don't think if I was the Timberwolves, I would put up too much of a fight about him dissipating in it, you know. And just, I guess I would probably just cross my fingers and hold my breath that something major didn't happen. And hopefully this isn't too, you know, too serious. Part of me would, would feel um, better about this, the situation if the season weren't so long and grueling. Sure. Um, But when you're asking these guys, because the the ridiculous thing, and it's not the league's fault necessarily, but the ridiculous thing is that I believe training camps open in early October. So, like, they're going to be back at it very quick because of how the pandemic shortened up the Mm -hmm. season. And that's the issue is this. I just I find it to be amusing how we – have these big in-depth conversations about how can we l- limit injuries? You know, star players yeah. are missing time. We don't want guys to rest. We want to see these guys play. And then we're like, but can you play on our summer league teams and stuff? And so that's where that's where <laughs> yeah. I just think that it's too much is asked of people as a whole to be like, well, we want you to stay healthy. We want you to play. We don't want you to get hurt. But then if you could basically play year-round, that would be cool too. <laughs> Yeah, and then we'll, we'll manage your load. We'll have load management during the exactly. year. Exactly. You know, which so, we'll complain about. Yeah, which, which, which fans will complain about. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's it's. I don't know what the right answer is there, and I don't know that there's a wrong answer, um, unless there's an injury, and then it feels like the wrong answer, you know. But I, I know what you're saying, and I wonder if they did have that conversation with Ant before he left. That hey, you know, training camp starting earlier, and and. Um, you know, you have a bigger role and you play a lot this year, you know, take care of your body this off season. Yeah. I'm sure they talked about that with him. Just sure. like, Hey, thank you. Thank it over before you commit to this. But I mean, he's how old is he? 20, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. He, he's a kid and he he's should be young. fine. Like, oh my God. I can probably get to the Olympic team. I get this experience. I'm heck yeah, I'm going to do it. I mean, those, those guys love to play. And like I said, I bet NBA players rest for a couple of weeks after the season and then start playing pickup, you know, somewhere when they're working on their game. And so, um, I don't know how much off season these guys really get anymore. 
even when they're on their own, they train like crazy, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know that they ever really just kind of, I'm sure right after a season in every sport they do, but it's, then it's just cranking it right back up to get their body back. All right, Chipper. I'll talk to you next week, okay? All righty, brother. Thank you, you, sir. Take care. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.